hello and welcome to the Mo Bro Show, where I, Tip Mosley, pastor at Fellowship Baptist Church in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, will sit and discuss topics of life, ministry, and theology with my brother, J.P. Mosley, who is a professor and minister at Heidelberg Theological Seminary in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. On today's episode, J.P. and I will be looking at a phrase that is used often in Scripture that has origin in Exodus chapter 3, that phrase being, a land flowing with milk and honey. a little discouraged <laughs> I asked you yesterday yeah. was it yesterday yeah if you'd already had one and you're like oh I'll, I'll figure it out I'll, <laughs> I'll figure I'll figure it out yeah did you figure it out yeah what did you figure out are we gonna do the Melchizedek thing who what no no what Methuselah what Melchizedek uh, well, let's just do um, milk and honey. Milk and honey. Yeah. We uh, like in your coffee a little milk and honey. <laughs> Some people drink their tea that way. They're called British. Yep, milk and honey. Yep, I like I like honey in my tea. A little bit of lemon, a little bit of honey, honey, and black tea. Hmm. Milk and honey. All right. So we're, where are we going to go? Exodus chapter three. Because it's it, the, it occurs in about 20 places in the Bible. Yeah. It's said a lot. I think it's, let me look it up. I'll look it up in the ESV. Nope. That's not where I want to go. No, let's go New American Standard. Change it up every but, once in a while. Yeah, it's one of those things I've I've spoken at chapels before and I used to speak in, in jails all the time. And due to due to my busy schedule, um I wouldn't get to thinking about what I was gonna talk about until just a few minutes before I walked in the room. Yeah. And I completely forgot about needing to pick up oh, thank you. Until, until yeah, you're welcome. I yeah. I, I understand what how it sounds. <laughs> But we, but I I I have a mental list of ones that I think would be great. And, uh, I generally go kind of go to the beginning of things, and so um, it, milk and honey is is one there at the beginning. It's not just milk and honey though. I want to make that clear. Uh, normally, when that term is used, when you put milk and honey together, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. Yeah, that's the phrase. Yeah, so that's the phrase, a land flowing with milk and honey. Uh, New American Standard, it's used 23 times. Uh, what's another one? Uh, well, there's one place where milk, where milk and honey show up, but it's not the same context. For example, Isaiah 7, uh, it talks about milk and honey, but it's not the same, the same idea. The idea that... Uh, when it's used, for example, in Exodus three, talking about the promise, yes, uh, for the people, it, it, there's a specific context that's in mind there, right? And it's the context of 
uh, of the land that they're going into. And I, I've asked my students before, and I, I guess you know we can we can read the Exodus three here in just a moment um, because it, it shows up a couple of times in Exodus three. But I've asked my students, you know, what what does that phrase mean? And I think it's an important question. Um, I think that's a very important question to ask people is because that's what we're dealing with. And with this, with the particular podcast shows is, you know, these, these different phrases, these different idioms uh, that we get from the Bible uh, and that sometimes are then used in, in culture uh, in vernacular. Um, and I think, I think this particular one has been carried over into American culture, but it sounds different. And, uh, and I want to kind of leave that hanging for right now uh, to kind of just say, in the United States, we have a similar phrase, several different phrases um, that get to the same idea that milk and honey, the land flowing milk and honey, gets at. And so you're not, you're not gonna you're not gonna tell me what those are right now. We'll, we'll tease it out just a little bit. I, I want to know because I don't, tease it out. What I've heard, I mean, I so if, I've heard it used in movies. Uh, I've seen it in books outside of the Bible, um, like. When I when I hear it, I, it's often in a reference of uh, something good. Uh, so, like you're you're looking forward to something good, a land a land flowing with milk and honey. I've heard it, I've heard it uh, used in the context of that's what they're talking about. Well, when they say that, they're talking about heaven, or there's something they're talking about something that is heavenly. The uh, it's like a land flowing with milk and honey. Well, it's it's something heavenly. Or it's something extremely. Because uh, for us, milk is not rare. For us, honey is not rare. Although they're talking about how the honeybees are becoming harder to find. Uh, although we still have plenty of honey. Even though, have you? There's a. I think it was on Netflix. There was a thing about the honey wars between yeah. us and China. You know how they yeah. were making processed or fake. Uh, synthesized uh, synthesized honey yeah uh and the best way to f- to know is i think that uh something about it turning solid is it caramelized yeah it's basically just it's basically just sugar and mm-hmm. my, my phone keeps going off yeah it's it's mom and dad telling us something about uncle eddie yeah And they're talking about, and I told them that we're recording right now. And they're like, Oh, did you hear that? Yeah. You hear that thunder? Yeah, I did hear that. I thought that was you dropping your phone. Uh uh-uh. uh. I wouldn't have been this excited. I didn't know. I didn't, I mean, I thought, okay, dropping phones could be fun. <laughs> I got a new phone. No. <laughs> I just threw it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, go ahead. So, Let's let's read Exodus three real quick. I'll, I'll if if you don't mind, I'll I'll read it since yeah, you man. Me, you take this one. This is this you is your decide your thing. idiom. So, so take it over. We'll start at Exodus three. This is uh, your show, chapter Not three, ours. verse eight. <laughs> and so again, this is Moses on Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. He's seen the burning bush. Uh, it's an exciting time because God has just revealed His personal covenantal name, Jehovah, for the German Yahweh here, for the Hebrew 
And, and, and he says, starting in verse eight, so I have come down to deliver them out of the land of Egypt, out of the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up from the, that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Uh, and then I'm going to skip down to verse 7, to verses 16 and 17. Okay. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, appeared to me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen what is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites to a land flowing with milk and honey. Yeah. And of course, it shows up again later uh, in chapter 13, chapter 33 in Exodus. Shows again in Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. Um, shows up actually in the songs and on Song of Solomon. It shows up in Jeremiah and Ezekiel as well. It's, yeah. it's it's a phrase that is picked up on in poetry and in, in the prophets. Um, it's a very a very important phrase uh, for Old Testament promises given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Promise here given to Israel, uh, and that is uh, dealing with the land of Canaan. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that you have to make the connection is whenever it's whenever at least in Exodus here when it's talking about the land flowing with milk and honey, it's in the context of a land currently inhabited with the Canaanites, the, Hivite, the Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. So there's a reason it's flowing with milk and honey. There's people there farming it. Huh. And what the phrase, and this this is why, and you know, the thing that I've that I'm gonna tease out here in just a moment. What's important to understand about the phrase is it's not going to be a miraculous thing. Hmm. Um, what'll be miraculous is that the people will get in, the people will inhabit it, and and all of that. That'll be kind of the miraculous thing. You know, think of Jericho and many other battles like that. Yeah. But picture Jericho for a moment. They are they are told to go in there and and just. Dis- you know, pretty much put everything to the ban, not have anything. But that wasn't the case with every city. Uh, It was the case with the people, uh, but it wasn't the case with every city. And so they were able to go in and live in homes that they didn't build. Eat of the produce of food or plants that they didn't plant. Take part in, in, in orchards of grapes and, and another fruit that they didn't plant and, and cultivate. And then all of a sudden now they've got sheep and goats and cattle that they didn't raise. So you're bringing up, like, as you're saying this, a lot's coming to my mind. Mm-hmm. A couple of things right now is you look at what they're, the state that they're in in the moment. When, when Moses is told to go and speak to them, they're in slavery, mm-hmm. uh, building the, the brick makers, 
they are bricklayers. Uh, I does it does it say in in anywhere in scripture other work that they did under the under the the uh, oppression of uh, of Egypt? I would say it's safe to assume as as being slaves, they did just about everything. The the labor of the fields, uh, yeah, the labor I, of the I, cattle. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, they got they got hired when Joseph shows up and his brothers show up. Joseph, they're able to get the land of Goshen, and Joseph yeah. hires them as the shepherds, the farmers. Right. For right. Egypt. That's and right. So they're already doing that in Egypt, and it just so happens after a certain amount of time that oppression then hits. Yeah. And they're well, forced to build cities and, and do and do other things. These people that we helped out. Well, there was a king that 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 uh that didn't remember Joseph. I think it says that yeah. in the first chapter of Exodus. Yeah. That he had no recollection of of who Joseph would have even been. And so many, many years yeah. have passed. And now there's this group, this new yeah. nation of people. Uh, that have are start starting to uh, grow in their numbers, and that that was a scary thing for a king who wanted to have all the power of of and all the rule, and not have another nation within his nation saying what what he could or couldn't do. So, uh, out of fear of an uprising, I believe is what it was. They they became slaves to the Egyptians. So, yeah. So all it it kind of makes me think of Job. All the things that Job was, all that was taken away from Job, and then it was given back to him by so much more. Mm -hmm. So, like, you had 20, 20 uh, oxen, now you've got 40. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you lost all your children, and now you've, you've lost your four daughters or whoever, now you've got eight. Well, yeah, four of them are still in heaven. Yeah. True. The children, the children are the ones that double in glory and on earth. So, um, so the, it's yeah, like I, that. Yeah, it's like a, yeah. it's like a comparison of, yeah. uh, well, of course that's exciting. And then it makes me think of, uh, uh, Noah mm -hmm. and what came out of that. Um, uh, is it help me here? Cause I get lost in this sometimes. Is it Shem or is it Ham's son who is Canaan? Ham's. Ham's. And so it was uh, the a moment of Noah uh, drinking, indulging in wine, mm -hmm. uh, was was shown in in his his nakedness, and it was it was Ham who saw it, kind of made fun of him, made it made it a bigger deal than it needed to be. He didn't go in and take care of his dad. Exactly, he went to his brothers instead and said, "Who's you know, hey, he's." drunk and he's naked yeah it's shameful yeah and then noah says where let me where is that um it's in Genesis. He, curses, he curses canaan curses the son of ham yeah that it would the land would be taken back though so a curse would come on canaan mm -hmm. so canaan being this the, the grandson of Noah we know that there were regions and cities and nations that were named after the children of Noah's children's 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 children Egypt being one of them yep Egypt 
uh, Canaan being one, and then the the curse upon Canaan, and then isn't it with uh, within the covenant of Abraham that Canaan is when God reveals that Canaan will be taken back. Yeah, so the promise that this land that Abraham is a sojourner in yeah. will be his. And, that, and that's essentially what the land flowing with milk and honey represents, yeah. is the fulfillment or the completion of that promise. But it's, it's, it's a little bit more than that. It's Take me deeper. As you were pointing out earlier, today when we hear that phrase, a land flowing with milk and honey, it, it gets a, a, a heavenly perspective. Right. But it's not, it's not a term used in the New Testament. No. No. Um, I don't think it's even if you... Because it's been fulfilled. Right. Right. And well, when, they, when they go into exile, see, this, 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 gets, to, this gets to a little bit of the, of the goods. Uh-huh. They, when the, the, thing that, the first thing that happens when the people begin to break covenant relationship with God, when they begin to turn away from God, the first thing that happens is he removes the milk and the honey from the land. Mm. He gives them a famine. Mm-hmm. And then because of famine, you've got disease. And then because of disease, you, you have death. And then there's war. War produces famine, disease, and death. And if you think of the ministry of Elijah, he says, I'm bringing a drought on this land. Yeah. No rain. That means no crops. And huh. so when God says, I'm giving you a land flowing with milk and honey, it, it, it's, it's talking about farming. It's talking about Mount Carmel having snow land on top of it and then watering the plain and being able to then produce crops. It's talking about the sheep and the goats and the cattle that they were able to then keep and tend to. Uh, and that's the milk, the crops, the, the wheat and the barley and all of that. That's the honey. I think I think a lot of kids end up thinking that the rivers is going to be milk and honey and that, you know, <laughs> it's, you know, that all of a sudden out of a rock is going to come that. No, no. It's talking about farming. And when you get into Joshua, it's talk. It's not only talking about farming, but it's talking about farming that for the first year or two, they're not going to have to do anything. Right. They're right. going to get to enjoy the fruit of this. Uh, what I think is amazing is, is the wilderness wanderings. Joshua makes a point of they've made it through this wilderness and their shoes didn't go out. Huh. 40 years of wandering in the wilderness and their shoes didn't go out. Their clothes didn't go out. They started going out when they got in the land because it was time to pick up the plow and starting to work. Yeah. But the point is, that's what the land flowing milk and honey represents. The first then sign that God is beginning to chasten his people and judge a nation is then famine and disease. He cuts off their food supply. He cuts off. And because of that, here then comes disease because of malnutrition. Now, if you think about a land flowing milk and honey and you think about what was what's one of the key uh, signs that God gives a people to show that he cares for them, it just so happens to be a meal. Hmm. And in that meal, you you uh, like, for example, in the Old Testament, you've got the lamb. You have the the bread. You have the wine. 
all three of those are representing milk and honey. And Jesus. And then Jesus. And so then when we get to the Lord's Supper, we have the, the bread and we have the wine. That, and the lamb who prepared it. And then the lamb who's, who is the preparation. Yeah. 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 And then, and then Jesus makes a point at the Lord's Supper that he's not going to drink of the cup of, the, of wine again yeah. until, and that's the reason I think it is appropriate to go for the New Testament. Heaven is that land flowing with milk and honey, not the United States. <laughs> it's heaven. Now I said, you know, to tease, to tease, you know, I, I kind of gave the little teaser at the beginning. Yeah. We still use this type of language in the United States. Yeah. Uh, we we call, for example, the the Great Plains the breadbasket, where there's enough grain that is grown here in the Dakotas, in Iowa, Nebraska, Minnesota, uh, Kansas, th throughout the Great Plains. Enough grain is grown to feed the world several years over. Huh. It's a breadbasket. If you, if you ever get the chance to go and visit California, it is known as the land of the fruits and nuts. Uh, it's talking about the, the produce there. Oh, oh. Yeah, I mean, yeah, not just people. <laughs> it's talking about produce. And so that, that phrase, the land of the fruits and the nuts, and think about it, uh, oranges, there, there's they've been growing rice for a long time up around the Sacramento area. Yeah, we could we could get a lot of our food from California. We don't have to go to other places like Mexico and other places to be getting food like that. So just or California Georgia, alone or Georgia, Georgia well, is very much a land of fruit and nuts. Going every right. every time we drive down to Florida, peaches, pecans. Look, once you've had Georgia Georgia peaches, there ain't no other place that can grow a peach. <laughs> There's just so I, many I've signs, some, so many I've, signs for like pecans and peaches. It's yeah. just so outrageous. We had a tree when I pastored a church in North Carolina that that had pecans, and people would come out there and collect them and stuff. And I, you know, there there is that. I, I I you know when 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 you and I played basketball in high school, one of the phrases that I would say to somebody that I was guarding just to really get at them is I would call them a kumquat. Why? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and it would tick people off. I mean, it, you know, cause the way I would say it would be, you know, rather vulgar. And, and, and so I actually ate a kumquat for the first time when I was in Sacramento, California, they grow on trees. I mean, they're kind of crazy. They're, they're little bitty citrus fruit. Uh -huh. And I'm like, man, I, I'm pretty sure I called that one guy at that one school a kumquat one time and he tried to swing at me. I'm like, I always mistake uh, of his life. My my trash talk was always reverse trash talk. Oh yeah, be like oh, that was a, oh, that was great. You did yeah. On that one. Hey man, that was a great layup. Hey, you did awesome. I like the way you kicked that leg out. Do you? Yeah. Do you think that after the like I would get into like a huge conversation when I, they'd be post up against me, I'd be like, dude, your rebounds are just amazing. Yeah. Did you teach me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I I always did. I always did the other one. I would say you know. Um, I like kumquat was one of them. Um, I, I called one kid Harry Potter. I mean, we had a phrase for this one kid. Um, I, I had a few other things, but I also was then, I used physicality a lot. I remember I, 
went up for a rebound. This guy's elbowing me the whole time down. And then once I, once I passed the ball out for a fast break, the guy's still standing there. The referee didn't look. I hauled off and slapped a snot out of him. Mm-hmm. Just right upside his head. And then he like did a double take and I said, don't do it again. And then we, we went on down. We played, uh, we played Webb, the feet. Yeah. Yeah. That was the dumbest name. Uh, Webb feet. They were supposed to be a smart school. They are smart. It is. There's a, yeah. yeah and so something better. when we played them in basketball, they, they, they have quite a, they have a very, um, uh, international sort of yeah. team. There's a lot of people from other, other, uh, nations that are on their teams and stuff. Yeah. And I, I, we were in a tournament or we were at something and uh, one of the players, this is before the game went up to the concession stand and said, do you have any gums? Do you, do you have any gums? And so he's, he's looking for gum, plural. Yeah. So maybe he's looking for a variety of, of, of gum, maybe, yeah. or maybe he just, yeah. maybe that's his way of translating it. So I had to guard the guy cause he's a big guy. So I had to guard yeah. the guy yeah. and I said, Hey man, did you ever get your gum? <laughs> what do you say? He's, and he, Cause he would like elbow me off. Yeah. I'm like, Hey, you let me borrow some gums. <laughs> and he, he, he got so mad and I was just being nice. Yeah, yeah. He said, you talking too much about my gums. And he, he got so mad. Stop. You talking too much. And uh, Zach, uh, uh, man, he's like, what was wrong with that guy? I don't know. I was just trying to be his friend. Gonna <laughs> <laughs> borrow a piece uh, of gum. See, I appreciate you doing it that way. I, I, uh, we were playing college heights and this guy had an ankle brace on and he looked at me and he says, Hey, Watch out for my ankle. And I looked at him and said, you didn't do your scouting report, did you? Oh, boy. And so the shot goes up. I stepped on that foot. <laughs> and he freaked out. And I got the rebound. Mm. I didn't mean I didn't mess with his ankle. But I scared to mess. I scared to daylight. Yeah, out. right, right, right. And he just, and he so just gave over his weakness. He sure did. Basically. It's one of the reasons why when I messed up my ankle, I wore two braces. Mm. So nobody knew which ankle was the one. I mean, they would tell if they saw me limping. But yeah. <laughs> like, clearly, it's that foot. My senior year, we played. We played. No, no, no. It wasn't my senior year. It was my last year that I played JV. We played College Heights, and uh, this one they were they were uh, calling out who they were guarding, and uh, they were like, "Oh, I got number five. I got number uh, thirty-two. This one guy goes, "I got Mosley." And I said, oh, you know my (laughs) – I looked at him. I said, you know my name. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) what's your name? Are we friends now? (laughs) I was so excited. And I'm pretty sure that when he said that, I went up to him like this, like like with my hands together in front of me like this. You know my name. (laughs) I was yeah. the worst at trash talking, but it worked. See, the way you did trash talk in basketball is what I did in soccer. That's how I talk trash in soccer. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It was I'd, I'd walk up to the goalie after, like, I missed a goal by inches. And I said, hey, you did great on that one. 
I'm going to see you again in just a moment. <laughs> and then, you know, and I give him a thumbs up and then run back over there. I'm like we're, we're going to be best friends on this. <laughs> well, you, you were, we got to get back to talk about the Bible, but you, you were um, the best goalie. Like by yeah. far you were, uh, there were in, in, in any, the conference that we played in and any other team that we played against, there was none of them that could stack up to you in the goal. Um, but, you know, things happen. Um, yeah. Well, injuries. I think, I, actually, injuries I, happen. Think I ended up struggling with PTSD after. Yeah. I could understand. Injury. I, I, you never, you weren't in the goal after that. Um, I, I did my senior year. I, I got in my senior year because uh, that would, that happened my sophomore year. And I, I did, I did play goalie a little bit my senior year. In fact, the last game, uh, I ever played, I started out as goalie and had a mm. shutout. Yeah. And, and we were, it was zero to zero. And so I get pulled off and, um, we put in, we put in the next, the next goalie who, you know, I was, was helping, helping him, you know, figure some things out with goalie and stuff. And he, he, he keeps it. He does well. And I get put back in into a different position and, and dad says, I need you to score. And I said, okay, <laughs> I got this. And so, you know, you, you pop the ball up over the last defender and I get a fast break with the goalie and it goes in and we win. Mm. And just, you know, I just remember thinking, ah, I got a shutout and the win, the winning goal. That's kind of cool. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It would have, it would have been considered a combined shutout, but it's still a shutout nonetheless. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I thought that was kind of that was kind of neat to 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 think that way. And um, yeah, I I I never got angry or competitive with sports unless it, um, uh, um, I did with soccer. Yeah, with basketball, I didn't care. I just went out there and had fun. <clears throat> Most of the yeah. time, I didn't want to come off the bench. I was afraid to come off the bench. What in basketball? Uh, yeah, when I was younger. Yeah, uh, I, when I, think I was in basketball, I think I think my senior year, I struggled some. So I I think I had the P, some PTSD with the soccer injury. I think I then had it again with basketball. Yeah. Um, coming coming into my senior year, where I I, I mentally I was messed up. I can understand uh, why though. I remember yeah. that hit. I remember that kick. Oh, in soccer, I yeah. don't. <laughs> I know you don't. I remember it. It was a it was a penalty kick. Yeah, yeah. I stopped. And, uh, I, I yeah. You I batted it, it. You batted it down. So you palmed it down with two hands. Palmed it down. Uh, it bounced once and you covered it and you laid on it and they rushed in. And so they were rushing in when you batted it down thinking, Oh, we're going to get it and come in. And as soon as you, as soon as it bounced and you covered on top of it, there was like three of them that had come and were trying to kick the ball. And one of them kicked your head. Yeah. And I think your hand also. Cause yeah, I broke, I broke up my finger. Yeah. And uh, then that stopped, that stopped the game completely. Yeah, I wasn't the same after that. We called the game, or they, my, you know, dad called the game. And mom, uh, your mom was always, she kind of had to be chill. And she would, uh, I don't know, that one was hard for her to remain chill, uh, sitting at the bleachers and everybody was around. Like, I remember, I don't remember the guy's name, but there was one guy that was like holding me back. Like I was going to do something <laughs> like, like I was going to attack them or, or, or try to fight them or something. I do remember kicking the goalpost 
And I kicked it so hard that I, I moved the goal. Yeah. It, it wasn't but like two inches, but kicking a kicking a soccer goal and moving it. It's not smart though. It's well, it's dumb. Yes. It didn't hurt, of course, adrenaline, but um I was extremely mad that it happened. And so uh that one guy came ran up to me and started like holding me back like I was gonna hurt somebody, but I wasn't gonna hurt somebody other than my own foot. Yeah. But yeah. Oh man, I remember that. It was at first prez. Yeah. It was on the it was on the field there. Yeah. It was on that back goal where the uh, that where it was at that person's backyard. Yeah. I, I lost a, I lost a mentally, uh psychologically with that with that injury, I lost a lot of filters and um could have used a lot more counseling personally. Mm. Um and it it wasn't until I, I mean, I, there was a reason I I knew I probably wouldn't have done well playing soccer or basketball in college because I'd lost some filters. Uh, and there was a reason I decided to, to, to play rugby uh, was so that I could get some of the anger and aggression out. Um, but it wasn't until I started doing martial arts and Taekwondo and oh, that's, yeah. that's some of those filters um, uh, went back. Because with that, there's very you. I've never done it, but from what I hear, it's very much you have to be in tune with yourself. Like you have to yeah. be in tune, know your body, control yeah. your mind, control your body all at the same time. Yeah, uh, yeah. I have a black belt in that. I mean, that that's yeah. You you don't get to black belt if you're going to snap and break somebody in half. Yeah. Which in in high school, I I I was there. Mm college i was there so i mean it's that's no good um yeah well getting back to it um i don't even know how long we've been it says our thing's been going for an hour and 11 minutes and we had a lot of we talked a lot before we really got into it yeah so getting back to the land flowing with milk and honey i think what's important specifically uh for our current context is there's the context of it in the Old Testament, meaning Exodus into the promised land. The land flowing milk and honey was the land of Canaan, and it meant farming. When it's starting to move towards Jeremiah and Ezekiel, the idea of the land flowing milk and honey, because you're there now, there's now famine in the land, not only of food and stuff, but of the word of God. Right. But there's the reality of, hey, I'm coming back again. I'm going to bless you once again with this land. I want to so see that. Example, yeah, I want to see that in some context, like where Jeremiah uh, eleven and thirty-two is what right. I see here. Yeah, so like Jeremiah thirty-two, he's starting to talk about a, the new covenant. Oh, it's it's the one of the first places that the language of new covenant comes up is in is in these in these chapters of Jeremiah, and he's saying, "Hey, look, you're gonna you're gonna be going to the land of the Chaldeans, but guess who's from the Chaldeans?" Abraham's from the Cal, you know, and he's, he's making these connections and he's saying, but um, he's going to bring you back out. And so that promise of this land is still there, but it's not going to be the same again. They, and so while, yeah, you, you have given them this land of which you swore to their fathers to give them a land flowing with milk and honey. They took and took possession of it, but they have not obeyed your voice or walked in your law. Mm-hmm. And so the reality of you gave this to them, they broke something, they broke relationship, and now you're taking it away from them. 
But the promise is there's going to come a day where they're going to come back. There's going to be rest, restoration. Yeah. That restoration is not complete until Christ. There's going to be a reconciliation too. And, and that's what happens with Christ. And so Christ very much is the fulfillment of the land to where, as he says in Matthew 28, the whole earth is his. Yeah. And, and so there's, there's the fact of now creation is that land flowing with milk and honey. This is huge. I'm, so I'm looking at Jeremiah 32 and reading, like listening to what you're saying while I'm reading this, we're looking at verses 36 through 44. Like this is huge. It's mm-hmm. amazing. The magnitude of this, like just mm-hmm. how great God is. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, so now there, therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel concerning this city of which you say, of which you say, quote, it is given into the hand of the king of Babylon by sword, by famine, and by by pestilence. Mm-hmm. And then Jeremiah, continue, behold, I will gather them from all the countries mm-hmm. to which I drove them in my anger and my wrath and in, in, in great indignation. I will bring them back to this place. I will make them dwell in safety and they shall be my people. Oh, and yeah. I and I will be their God. Yeah. I will give them one heart and one way. Like I'm loving this. It's the new covenant. Yeah, it's because this is what he says in verse 40. I will make with them an everlasting covenant. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. I will not turn away from doing good to them. Because what's so great is like being a Christian today, uh, having the the fullness of Scripture, um, complete Word of God in our presence, mm-hmm. you see it. Mm-hmm. Like it's so great to be able to read that and then see it when it happens and be reminded of God keeping His promises, mm-hmm. uh, being reminded of the great things that He has done, even for people. He was faithful to people that were unfaithful. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if I don't know, it's it, it, it's, it excites it me. It should, and it's it's the same confidence and courage that we're supposed to take behind the pulpit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and that's why I can't stand boring preaching. <laughs> I mean, you get up there, you you must not understand the God of the Bible if you're going to get up there and bore people. Uh, yeah, it's just too exciting to get up there and and be that lazy with the Bible, mm. because John, look at Jeremiah saying God is doing something amazing and He's fixing the, and it's only in Jesus Christ. We need to make that clear. Yes, do you see? So those new covenant promises find their inauguration in Christ. Period. Yeah. It's not, it's not started until Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. It's not started. It, everything, that, everything that's happening in the Gospels up until that point is still Old Covenant. Until the death of Christ. And then there's the cutting of the New Covenant. Yeah. Oof. Which is why there's no more need in the New Covenant for blood, for guts, for, for circumcision, uh, for the sacrificing of lambs. We don't need right. it anymore. We've, we right. have a new covenant. It's better. Mm-hmm. And that's the point of Hebrews. And, and that's why in the New Testament, we don't have the language of 
a land flowing with milk and honey because we have something better now. We have a new heavens and a new earth mm-hmm. that's coming. We that's do, what we're waiting for. We yeah, and we we have a promise mm-hmm. of Christ. I believe it's um, John fourteen. Uh, he's meeting with his disciples, and he's like, "Hey, I'm leaving, and where I'm going, you cannot come." And you know, not at this time. I'm going to prepare a place for you. So we have a we we have the promise of a place, a place mm-hmm. that we look forward to, mm-hmm. a lot different than than what you know. Like you got people in other countries that look to America and they see America as a land flowing with milk and honey, and that, oh. that's what that's what I see in movies and in books. It's mm-hmm. usually a reference of America as this great place, uh, which it is a great place. Uh, you look at. You look at the cultures in, in other other countries, and and there, there's plenty of oppression on people. There's plenty of people that are trying to get out of communism, or they're trying to get out of what used to be communism, like kind of like within the shadows of of a communist country or something. And it's still not up to par. There's like um, there's a place in South America that um, oh, hang on a second. there's a there's a place in south america where their their currency is awful they might as well not have currency uh you 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 cannot buy anything essentially because no one can make enough money to buy the things that they need and so they that what they do is they send family to america and from America, they send that money to them just in order for them to be able to pay for stuff in their own country. Yeah. Um, and so it's a land of opportunity. And I think that's what some people have taken that that whole land of milk and honey thing and been like, yeah. oh, it's a it's a dream. Yeah. You know, uh, the American well, dream, the land see, of opportunity. It, it gets back to the idea of manifest destiny, that this is the new world. Well, it's 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 not new. It, it's new to some people, but it's not new. This has been around for since creation. But yeah. to get to get back to what I was saying and to to piggyback off of your thought there, the 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 type is Christ, the new heavens and the new earth. The the thing that shadowed it is Joshua bringing the people into the promised land into a, into buildings and homes that they didn't build. Yeah, eating the food that they didn't plant. The same thing's going to happen when we get to the new heavens and the new earth. Right, it's being prepared for us. Right, uh, by our Creator, by our Savior. Right, and 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 He is the better Joshua. Yeah. So the one, the one um, greater than Moses, yeah. greater than Joshua. Pale, they were pale comparisons. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, that's exciting, man. That's just, I don't know. If that doesn't give you the goosebumps, the goose pimples. Yeah. If it doesn't give you goosebumps, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. Thank you for listening, and we appreciate your support. If you would like to give in financial support, 
to J.P. Mosley's Ministries at Heidelberg Theological Seminary in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, you may do so at heidelbergseminary.org slash support hyphen HTS. That is heidelbergseminary.org slash support hyphen HTS. And if you would like to give to the ministries of Tip Mosley at Fellowship Baptist Church in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, you may do so at thefellowshipbc.org slash give. That is thefellowshipbc.org slash give. Thank you, and may God bless. Thank you.